executed. Well, it's so good to be back here again for see a lot of new faces. And so my name is uh, Tim Ramos, and uh, this was my church for uh, several years, about a year. And uh, I worked at ETBU, and then God took me to Mercy Ships right down the road, a little neighbor. And uh, so it was really good to be back here. And uh, I have some special friends here that are with me, too. Um, my fiance Jill, and then Kai. I know for a lot of you, y'all have been praying for that. A lot of people have, and it's like a miracle coming true, you know. And you praise God for that. And it was, it was uh, uh, as we were coming up here, I said, you know, Jill, hopefully, you know, you get used to this because hopefully God takes us to do a lot of things uh, to 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 serve Him and worship Him, you know. So she was driving, and I was typing my sermon, and so I don't know if. So I don't know if I typed well or put my notes together well. But it's been a busy week. I had to move out of my apartment last night. Uh, we get married in two weeks. So pray for that. Pray for all the logistics. And I'm just going to show up. And so, uh, no, a lot to be done. But good and uh, putting all the And so back here again. And I sure do miss Jason. And I think he's out doing his work. And. I will see him at the passage, uh, verse 13. It's not Passover. Peace uh, was uh, that the Jewish community still does. Sadly, though, it's something that meaning why they do it. I'm a Jew. Exodus. If you have your Bible, let's go to Exodus 12. And remember this story uh, of why they were celebrating this uh, feast of the Passover was because we know one of the plagues, right? The plagues, the, the, the death of the elder child. Um, that was one of the plagues that God has sent to the people of, of, of Pharaoh because he wouldn't let his people go. And so this feast was, was supposed to be a reminder to, to give thanks and to give God the glory for bringing them out and sparing them. And so uh, Exodus chapter 12 and let, verse 7. So, is, you know, uh, God had commanded them to go, you know, kill a, a spotless uh, lamb. They were supposed to roast it, not boil it, roast it and unleavened bread and, and just specific guidelines, right? Uh, uh, how to cook this. And, uh, and he says this, and with that blood that you had killed the, the lamb, verse 7, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. But remember that, you know, God said, okay, you guys go put the, put the blood on the post. And then at night, the angel of death will pass over the house if you have that. Again, it wasn't about who was in the house. It was the, it was the blood on the house. And that's good to know, right? Because we sometimes don't deserve that. But God says, just, I'm watching for the blood. And so this fest, this feast was supposed, it's, it was uh, a time to remember. Because remember in, in uh, Leviticus and, and all through uh, the Old Testament, God is telling his people, when you eat, study the commands. When you eat and, and, your, and your family, teach them. Teach them to observe what I've taught you. And this was, was one of the, the history of, their, of teaching down, passing down, that God had granted you 
to come out of the to come out of, of captivity and to be saved. So that's something that we should share. And I hope, you know, sad today, you know, a lot of us don't gather around the dinner table too much to talk about what God has done in our lives, right? And it's very important that we would sit down with our families and children. You fight for that time so you can discuss and talk and let your kids hear out of your mouth the goodness of God. And so this was getting ready for this Passover. And, and, you know, it was time for Jesus was on his way to Calvary. So what a great picture, right? Now he's going to go be that sacrifice, the one that you had to go make. But now I'm going to be that ultimate. And with my blood, I'm going to cover you forever. And so here he is, uh, as a Jewish, a Jewish celebration. Uh, Jesus is going, getting ready for Calvary, and he's having supper with his disciples. Verse 2, during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, what a beautiful comfort is that. Jesus knew, knowing that God has given him all power, right? Because he is the picture of God. He is God, the image of God. And then he, verse 4, and this is where, um, I love this story. Verse 4, he rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. So here's Jesus you know, at a feast, he's eating with his disciples, his loved ones, the ones that he spent almost two and a half years with, you know, pretty much side by side, um, loving them. And, and as they're eating, he gets up and takes off his outer garments and gets a towel. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So imagine the disciples um, seeing Jesus get up. This has probably caused a little bit of confusion and a little bit of embarrassment. Because in that, in that time, in that, in that uh, uh, time, you know, people walked with sandals, you know, walked around uh, dirty roads. So it was custom that when you went into a home, somebody would wash your feet, right? Uh, somebody would clean your feet. And usually that job was for somebody low a slave, a servant, somebody who, who didn't have a high title. So you can imagine the disciples are, are confused and they're probably embarrassed. Jesus, the King, the Messiah, he's washing our feet. And you can imagine those, those feet, right? You know, man, walking and, you know, just the calluses and, you know, just dirt. And, you know, I've been to country like, you know, Guatemala is real, real dirty. That's why nobody has carpet over there. It's all tile floor, so you can just easily just sweep it up because it makes a mess, especially when it rains and you have to run and, and, and walk down the streets because a lot of people don't have cars in some of these countries, Africa. And so it, it makes a mess. And so it's custom as before you walk into the house, you, you clean your feet, wipe it, because otherwise you will leave a track all over the house. And so Jesus gets up. And I love this. He says he, he takes off his outer garments and puts on a towel. Why do you think he did that for? Well, he put on the, the costume or the, the, um, the, 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 the appropriate attire of a servant. Right. 
Imagine if you go to a restaurant, right, and let's say somebody spills a drink and Brother Doug gets up and goes and wipes the table and cleans it up. Well, people are going to applaud for that, right? Because he, he's, he's a hero. He's not supposed to do it, but he jumped up and did it. But if a waitress or a waiter was to go to that table and clean it up, what, what would people do? Oh, that's his job. He's supposed to do that. That's what he gets paid to do. So here's what Jesus was doing here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this so you can applaud me. I'm doing this because this is why I came to earth, was to serve you. And so he puts on the towel and starts to wash the feet, starts washing them. And again, he, he's knowing his time is coming. These whole two and a half years that I, I've been, I spent with you, now my time is coming. And, I'm, and as I'm walking to my death, going, getting, getting ready to go be crucified, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you to be a servant. So, then he comes to Peter who said to him, do you want me? We're you're, you're the king, Lord, we're your servant. We should be washing. And he responds, I, I am doing, you do not understand. Afterward, understand. But you will never wash. Not wash you. You have no share with. And then Simon Peter said to him, "Not my only, so my hands and and head." Now he gets a little greedy. Okay, God, you you want to cleanse me? Then cleanse all of it. But then Jesus says to him, "The one who has bathed, kind of the one who has been saved, does not need to wash except for his feet." but it's completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. And he's talking about Judas. But I think he's also talking about Peter too, and we'll get to that here in a few minutes. And then when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? And then he says, for these two years, you've called me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash with another's feet. Behold of Jesus, that's, that's the job for the servants. That's the job for the slaves. We're your best people. Well, not really your best people, but we're your disciples who have given up everything to follow you. But he says, if you call me Lord and you call me teacher, then you wash one another's feet. But Jesus, have you seen uh, John's feet? Man, have you seen? I mean, these guys were fishers, man. They, they, they used to be in the, in, the, in the salt water all the time or, or, or the water. So imagine your feet, right? When you go swimming and you come out, you get wrinkles. And So imagine just their feet. But Jesus says, wash one another's feet. This is how you serve one another. When Brother Doug asked me to preach, as always, I asked, is there a certain passage or is there a certain topic you want me to preach on? And he just said, you just preach whatever you want to preach. And so um, how I came to chose this passage, because for this last, I guess you could say for the last five years, I've been reading books on marriage, dating, whatever, just to try to prepare. But then especially this last uh, 10 months, 
I read all these books. So if you want to know names of books, you let me know. But, you know, Matt Chandler's book, John Piper, Ben Stewart, Paul Tripp. Uh, we've watched numerous Vody Bauckham sermons, Paul Washer sermons, read scripture. And, uh, and all these books, I, I mean, it's, it's amazing all the resources we have at our feet. I mean, at our hands. We have so many good uh, teachers that have, can, can explain the scripture. And so I have gained so much wisdom. So I'm ready to get married. I was like, you know, I am. I know it all. But in reading, but in, in, in reading these books, all great wisdom on how to, you know, spend your money wisely and how to spend time with the family and, and do this and do this and don't do this. All great wisdom. But there was one thing that I, I, was, I wasn't seeing in a lot of these books. And that one thing is you're being a servant now. Mar- marriage is about serving one another. And, and again, uh, it's probably a good thing that I, I didn't get married 20 years ago or 15 years ago. I would have got married for the wrong reasons. I would have got married so I could be served, so I can be worshipped, right? And, you know, and I used to be a little picky, and I still am. And that's why God gave me the best one, the greatest one. But I couldn't help but marriage is about serving. It's about serving. And, and so I want to go take this passage, because I know it doesn't deal with, with the marriage, but I think that's what Jesus says. You call me Lord and you call me Savior, which I am, then wash one another's feet. And so imagine these were Jesus' closest people. So now for us, the next closest people that will be in my life is going to be Jill. Why don't I wash her feet? Why don't I... I serve her, right? And we'll see why. Verse 13, again, he says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So Jesus preparing to go to the cross to pay the wrath that was due to us is showing his disciples, his closest friends, how to be a servant, because that is what Jesus came to do. Matthew 20, uh, verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You remember, that's where the, the, the mother of James and John was asking Jesus, who can sit at your right and left? And he goes, he who wants to be greatest must be last. Right. Uh, and so here we'll look at uh, in Ephesians 5.25. So if you have your Bibles, and we'll spend a little time here. And so as somebody who's about to get married, I'm going to give you some marriage advice. Uh, but it's just going to be Scripture, Bible. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And this is a passage we're probably all familiar with. Notes get stuck. And this is where Paul is writing to the church of, uh, of, of Ephesians. And then in the beginning, verse 5, verse 1, let's read that real quick. Therefore, to be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offer, offering and sacrifice. Again, being a servant, he gave himself up. He voluntarily gave himself up for us. So now let's jump to 
verse 25, and here he's going to talk a little bit about, about the husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Do you see the, 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 the contrast there or the symbolic of the other passage where he's washing the disciples? And here he's saying, men, wash your wives with the water and with the word. Uh, and, and I say this because um, I, a bunch of my coworkers, um, they're men. I, I work in a Christian environment, and, and not one of them have, has given me this advice. And they've been married 10, 15 plus years. Now one of them has given me this advice. They've always just said, just do what she says and you'll be happy. That's true. But, but here it says, husbands, love your wives, which love and serve them. As what? As Christ loved who? The church. And that's what Jesus was doing in this time right before going to the cross. He was his church. He was loving his people. And, and that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, her with the water of the word. So, so you're, even though she, your, your spouse is, has an independent relationship with God and is responsible for that, but the husband is to help walk, help guide, and to help encourage and nurture that, that journey. And for what purpose to present splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Again, going back to that, that passage, uh, Peter, was, uh, Peter was like, don't, don't wash me. But Jesus was like, no, I need to wash you. But he, but he said, but once you've been washed, you're, you've, you've been saved. But now it's just a, it's an ongoing journey of being washed in your feet. And, and the same thing with, 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 the, with the women, verse 522, Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husband. I know we, that's a word we don't like. But if you were to say, wives, serve your husbands. As who? As to the Lord. Right? As to the Lord. And, and it's beautiful because he doesn't say serve all men. He just says, no, serve or your husband. That's your gift. That's your calling. And that's exactly, again, what, what Jesus was presenting here of washing the feet. Serve one another. Wash one another. And what greater demonstration is to do it with your loved one? Because, again, if, if, if you can't do it there, then how are you going to do it in church? How are you going to serve other people in church? And I'm not saying we have to wash each other's feet, but I, it could be. It could be biblical things that we're missing out of. Uh, but that's what Jesus was picturing. You, you guys don't get it now, but I'm, I'm leaving you an example to follow. Go serve one another. And again, I'm not an expert at it, but I just know I think a lot of marriages would be together if you served one another. Nowadays, we got so many marriages just crumbling, falling apart. But I think the key thing is 
you went into a marriage wanting to be served. And only God can, can serve you, really. And only God can really fulfill. But a lot of us, we, we join marriages. Okay, what am I going to get? I'm going to be happy now. Single people, make sure you wait to the right person. Because if you marry a person just because you're happy around them, you're going to be miserable. If you're, if you're going to marry somebody because they have the right degree or the right job, you're going to be miserable. You know, I told Jill, I said, I'm not marrying you because you can cook. That's a good thing. So I've learned to cook after 39, uh, 20 years of being, you know, out of college. I've learned to cook. I said, I- I'm fine with that. But I said, I want somebody who I can serve with, serve Christ with, serve God with. And, and again, I think if, if, if we would just come into marriage or seek our marriage, how can I serve my spouse? But Tim, you don't understand. I work so many hours a week, and when I come home, my feet hurt, and I just want to, you know, just sit on the couch and watch Monday Night Football. She could be doing this. Or, Tim, you don't understand. I stay home all day with the kids or do this and that, and I deserve this free time. It's about serving one another. So you see a need, you meet it. You see a need, how can I serve? It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Marriage is something greater than just people coming together to live for themselves. It's to be a living, breathing picture of the gospel. Ephesians 5 again. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Right? So he can present to the church a a true bride, a clean bride. Uh, marriage, again, this is what the world needs. How, how do you know you, you are in Christ? How do you know you love somebody? Well, it's obviously you would love the person you're married to. And you would stick it out and you would rough it out. And you were, I, I love it like Matt Chandler says, you're, you're going you're gonna to fight in marriage. You're going to have arguments. Because you better find somebody you enjoy fighting with. That you find, because you, you're going to have arguments. You, there's, again, there's, just in, in our dating, I, I told, hey, I, I've, been, I've been doing things my own way for 39 years. And I just do it because that's just the way I've done it. And so we had to learn to step back and say, well, no, I like it. I like doing the dishes this way. Okay, well, you do it that way. And there's certain things we just have to learn, right? But it's a, it's one of, learning to, to forgive, one learning again to, okay, how can I help you do this? Or can I, how can I serve you do this? But that's what many, that's what the world is looking for is a breathing picture of Christ in the church, right? Man, I believe Christ is loving, but how do I know that if you don't love one another, right? First John talks all about that. He goes, this is how you would know you love me. And you obey my commands is how you love one another. And this is a huge part, too, because, as I said earlier, many, many marriages are falling apart. Don't, there's no fighting for the marriage. But this is, this is why Satan wants to destroy homes. Because, again, if we do not serve in the home, then how are we going to serve in the church? Right? If we don't do it at home, then what makes you think we're going to serve church 
And then it says, and then this, strong marriages produce strong families, right? I rarely have seen a solid couple have a chaos home. Rarely have I seen that. I'm not talking about a perfect marriage, but I'm just saying rarely do you see a couple who is strong have a chaotic home. Strong marriages produce strong families, and strong families produces strong and healthy churches. Right. So that's why we fight for our marriages. That's why we, we single people, do things biblically. Find you a, a godly, fearing person. Find you someone who's willing to lead you and, and wash you. And, and men, be ready to do those things. Lead and and guide and be able to give direction to your spouse. Right. Uh, just just the time I've had with Jill and, and Kai, um, I mean, I had to be creative. So thank God for technology and things like that. So, you know, we're sending text messages and Bible verses and read the sermon and you read the sermon and we forth and encourage each other. Then, you know, uh, when I travel a lot, uh, we would try to do something, you know, and especially when we were uh, Advent season, when we were doing, uh, uh, yeah, Advent, um, we'd try to follow a journal, and I would try to be there as much as I can, just to, and we would try to Skype in, and we get good reception, because we live in East Texas, well, we live in Lindo, so, or I live in Lindo, she lives in Ben Wheeler, and so if you're not touching something metal, you're not going to get a reception. But it's just things that we try to we we would try to establish early on in our in our dating relationship so we can be grounded in in the scripture and the, and the word of God because we want to produce a strongly a strong family and to be uh, produce a good church and so something you got to fight something you have to desire um, and again and I say this again because rarely have I had men come into my life and tell me this. Tim, marriage is more than just finding a spouse. It's, it's. Um, I have one guy said it this way. Um, Tim, if you want to be a good missionary, if you want to uh, be a good, good leader, then uh, you be like Paul. Stay single and be like Paul. But if you want to become like Christ, then get married. Because, yeah, man, you will find out so much about you, and you have to, again, sacrifice and serve. In a marriage. So if you want to become like Christ, he says to then be married, right? And again, that doesn't literally mean single people, you're not going to become like Christ, but it just, man, you find out a lot about who you are. But marriage is greater than that. It's about serving one another. Uh, Christ on the way to Calvary demonstrates, shows us how to serve. As Christians in general, the cost is to serve. And that's what Jesus uh, was really showing his disciples here. I mean, you've been with me for two and a half years. You saw what I've done. I've healed. Uh, I've fed people, healed the blind. I've been mocked at. I've been, I've been stoned. But above all else is to serve you. I'm here to serve you. And again, any other denomination or any other religion is all about you serving the king. It's about you 
giving to the king. You working to serve the king. And the opposite for us is Christ came to serve us and to give of himself for us. Let's go back to uh, John 13, verse 16. And he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. To truly be a servant, we must be washed, cleansed, and then daily cleansed in repentance. Jesus answered him, what, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And then Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and feet. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. And so in order to be able to be a true servant, first we must have to be regenerated. We have to be cleansed by the, by the power of the, of the gospel, of the blood of Jesus Christ, why he was going to Calvary, so he can cleanse us, so he can give us that heart to be able to serve. But let me tell you, there's a lot of great people who serve. That doesn't mean they're Christians. There's a lot of awesome people out there doing great things, giving a lot of funds out and serving and helping. But it doesn't mean they're a Christian. And here Jesus was saying, truly, you must be washed. Truly, you must be regenerated to give, to serve of this love that only God can give us, that God can produce in us. And so I don't know where you are today, but have you been regenerated? Has God come and moved in your life to give you a new desire to serve? That you want to, you, I want to serve now. Because these are, this is what God is passionate about. This is what God is motivated by, to serve one another. Am I serving my brother? Am I serving my immediate family? Am I taking care of them? Am I being the light to them? Am I showing love to them? And so we must be washed. But then as believers to maintain, because again, we can't lose our salvation. Amen? Praise God. And we'll be in bad shape if that was the case. But we can't. Because, but you know what? Sometimes we just need to be cleansed daily to be reminded of where we're coming from. And you imagine, again, he's, he's, he's cleansing Peter's feet. And right at the end of the chapter, um, John 13 again. What happens to Peter? Verse 36, just, just a few chapters down. Because remember he told Peter, Peter, you won't understand now, but later you will. And right here, Jesus foretells Peter's denial. So this is why I think he was talking to both of them. Judas was going to completely betray him. But then Peter, you're going to betray me too. But I'm washing you again. That's why I had to wash you because you're mine. You're, I'm going to wash you, even though I know you're going to uh, hurt me, right? And he says, uh, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, you, will you lay down your life for me? 
Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So isn't that a beautiful picture of God, Jesus already knowing what Peter was going to do, and yet he still washed his feet, right? And how many, again, one of the reasons why, uh, again, uh, I don't know if I can serve these people because they have done this to me, or these people have done this, and I don't know if I can serve them, right? And here Jesus gives an ex- a perfect example. You, you love everyone. I know you're going to hurt me, but you know what? I'm still going to wash your feet. I'm still going to serve you. That's what I came to do. But we must be regenerated. We must have the new heart to have a desire to wash. And I, and I pray uh, for this morning, this is a reminder for us and our families and our homes, our marriages, that we are called to serve. We are called to lay down our lives and to give up so we can serve one another and demonstrate the act of love that only Christ can. And that's what Jesus did. Again, he took off the the uniform and he he took off his water and put on the uniform to show, you know, I'm not here to be served, to serve. And I pray that is true for us. And, And if you haven't been made new in Christ, if you haven't been washed by the water of the word, by by Jesus' sacrifice, his blood, I pray you would come and ask God, let me let me stop living for myself and let me live for you. Let me receive that gift of salvation. Let me have that salvation that's everlasting and that I may now truly follow you. So I don't know where you're at today, this morning, what you've been struggling through, but that's my prayer, that you would Ask the Lord, Lord, I want to be a servant of you. I want to follow you. May we close our eyes and pray.